The old man told his wife that their lives were over. They were born, they were married, they worked, they raised children, now they would soon die. This truth in the hopeless life of sin and death is a very depressing and ominous concept. But among those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, death is the beginning of eternal youth. Death is the doorway, the entrance to the other side. God's Word records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 57, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternity exists in a real place. God's eternity is paradise, and it is a real fixed place in space. Its reality is sure and everlasting, far exceeding the temporal earthly locations such as Chicago, London, Rome, etc., as the difference is between light and darkness. Entrance to this place called paradise is only accomplished through the saving blood of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Him while there is still time. Click on the Further with Jesus for entrance into the kingdom of God, for soon all our lives will be over. Prepare to meet your God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam, to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. Man said, one of the most current leaks to our past are the hairy, thick-browed, grunting Neanderthals who lived in caves, etc., clubbing and subduing their women, hunting with clubs and primitive spears, uh, being shocked by the first advent of fire, etc., etc. He fits perfectly into the evolutionary paradigm. Now the record. The concept of early man being an unsophisticated caveman is in contradiction to much serious research. This caveman concept is promoted by evolutionary dogma and not by the facts. I must note that finding ancient remains in caves or cave drawings, etc., does not prove the caveman's supposition by any means. Unsophisticated cultures populate the earth today, and people still live in caves amongst a highly industrialized and sophisticated world. The student of the scriptures is informed that God created Adam as a fully functioning, mature man with a well-developed vocabulary, so much so that he named all of God's creatures. Adam was created with enormous capabilities already programmed by God into the computer between his ears. Adam was given the job of maintaining the most advanced agriculture development the world has ever seen. Adam was the groundskeeper of a place called paradise. Adam could reason and communicate with his creator from his beginning. Exactly how much math and science and general knowledge was programmed into Adam by God is not fully known, but it appears to have been a considerable amount. God said in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. He was perfect in every, in every way, excuse me. Adam was perfect mentally, physically, genetically, and spiritually. Because of his original perfectness, and the sin that followed, and the sin and death mandate that now reigns, it is easy to deduce that nearly all of the progeny of Adam have been less than their father. Romans chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until and, uh, together, excuse me, until now. Nevertheless, the offspring of Adam would have had tremendous capabilities. They were not grunting cavemen that some would have us to believe. In addition, prior to the worldwide flood in the days of Noah, the average lifespan of man was 911 years. See 120 years in dinosaurs on this website. Imagine the fantastic accumulation of experience and know-how which would have ensued. Unfortunately for pre-flood man, all or nearly all of his achievements were destroyed by water. Noah and his family, however, would have understood many of the principles incorporated in the pre-flood era. They had the capability to carry on. Just seven generations after Adam, we read these verses in Genesis chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. And Adam bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of and every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nema. The following passage in a book by Dr. Donald Chittick titled The Puzzle of Ancient Man refers to the passage above. From this passage, we observe that in just seven generations from Adam, early man had made significant developments. Antediluvians were not barely surviving as primitive hunters living in caves, as the naturalism picture would have us to believe. Instead, they carried on organized agriculture, including animal husbandry. Verse 20 mentions cattle. In the Bible, the word, the word cattle refers to not just bovines, as, for example, milk cows or beef animals, but to domestic animals in general. Sheep and goats would also be included in this term. Continuing with the list of antediluvian accomplishments, we find that Jubal was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ. Music was clearly a part of the culture, as indicated by mention of both stringed and wind instruments. Although we cannot be certain about exact dates, archaeologists have uncovered musical instruments from very ancient times. Some of these ancient instruments are not crude or primitive, but are highly crafted. Even with our modern technology, we do not know how these ancient instruments might be improved to make better music. Evidence indicates that music itself is very ancient, end of quote. The musical scales used today are the same used in ancient China over 4,000 years ago. Discoveries of ancient, technically developed civilizations speak of a highly capable creation and not evolution. These discoveries of sophisticated ancient cultures fly fully in the face of caveman mentality. 
The ancient artifacts that testify of such a high level of civilization are discovered so often that a word had to be coined to describe them. That word is uparts, which is the acronym for out-of-place artifacts. This feature will highlight several of them. Ancient civilizations around the world appear to have originated instantly about 5,000 years ago. The more accurate dating would be around 4,352 years ago, which was approximately the time of Noah's flood. In Genesis, God sends forth Noah and his family to replenish the earth. This takes place right after the flood. The Bible reads in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, verse 7, and verses 18 and 19, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And you, be ye fruitful, and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. The world's ancient civilizations sprang up without evolutionary roots simply because there were none. The residents of Noah's Ark replenished the earth. Dr. Chittick continues, As remains of ancient cultures around the world are examined and carefully studied, a reoccurring theme of pattern emerges. Cultures appear to emerge in a high state of technical development and then decline after a period of time. Also associated with ancient cultures are concepts of astrology and an interest in astronomical measurement. As in the case for the Incas, cultures around the world appear to have originated at the same time of roughly 5,000 years ago. They appear with an already developed high level of technical development. Pyramids, for example, are not unique to Egypt, but a pyramid belt is found around the world, including the Americas and Asia. How are these things to be explained? The puzzle is that there is little, if any, evidence to support the idea that these cultures experimented with engineering designs. There is a lack of evidence pointing to a step-by-step -step development of the technology possessed by ancient cultures. Instead, each culture appears full-blown right from its beginning. Chittick's reference to the pyramid belt and also ancient people's affinity to astrology and sun worship reminds the student of the scriptures of a place called Babel. Click on to the Tower of Babel and why is the black man black and white man white on this website. In Genesis, there is a place called Babel where a tower was under construction in direct disobedience to God that was to reach unto heaven. Antiquities tell of the rebellious people that would shoot arrows from the tower into the clouds. They reported that the arrows would return dripping with the blood of the celestials. Their leader was a rebellious man named Nimrod, the grandson of Noah's son Ham. After his death, according to ancient history, Nimrod was worshipped by the heathen as the sun god. Nimrod's reported birthday is December 25th, which occurs during the winter solstice. December 25th occurs the, uh, right after the shortest day of the year, and the sun begins to shine longer each day until June 21st, when we have the summer solstice, the day with the longest sunshine. Concerning the Tower of Babel, God's word records the following in Genesis chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to. Let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. 
So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These people dispersed around the globe, continued to build their monuments to rebellion, and continued to worship the host of heaven. The remains of their labor testifies of this. Again, Dr. Chittick. Upon further examination of these objects, it was discovered that they were the remains of edifices known as ziggurats. Ziggurats were the original pyramids and were carefully constructed, carefully engineered, and of high quality. It is now known that they were used for religious purposes and also were associated with astrology. Inscriptions and other evidence show the astrological significance of the ziggurats. Apparently, the peoples associated with them worshipped the sun, moon, planets, and stars rather than the Creator. End of quote. Concerning the tremendous uh, excuse me, sophistication of ancient civilizations and the pyramids, Kurt Mendelssohn, in an article in American Scientist titled, A Scientist Looks at the Pyramids, writes, There is no evidence, whatever, of any technological breakthrough in the methods of quarrying or cutting stones which might account for the onset of pyramid building. All the tools and techniques used by the pyramid builders were in existence well before their time. Author Graham Hancock, in the book Fingerprints of the Gods, writes, the archaeological evidence suggests that rather than developing slowly and painfully, as is normal with human societies, the civilization of ancient Egypt, like that of the Olmecs, emerged all at once and fully formed. Indeed, the period of transition from primitive to advanced society appears to have been so short that it makes no kind of historical sense. Technological skills that should have taken hundreds of or even thousands of years to evolve were brought into use almost overnight and with no apparent antecedents whatever. End of quote. Out-of-place artifacts, uparts, continue to defy the caveman mentality. The puzzle of ancient man expounds on this. Wilhelm Koenig, director of the Baghdad Museum and Iraq Antiquities Department, reported in 1938 the discovery of electric batteries in an area near Baghdad. For various reasons, exact dating of the batteries is difficult, but reported dates range from about 100 B.C. to 100 A.D. What was the purpose of the batteries? How were they used? We do not know the answer to these questions, but several suggestions have been made. Suggestions range from their use for electroplating to usage in medical practice as a local electrical analgesic. If the dating of these objects is even approximately correct, then it is possible that they, they may be uh, degenerated copies of earlier, more advanced versions. Batteries may have suffered a uh, fate similar to that of the pyramids. In the case of Egyptian pyramids, the first ones were the best. Later pyramids became increasingly more shoddy until eventually they were no longer built. The same may apply to the electric batteries. As one researcher on these ancient batteries comments, it is probable that the device later became merely a conjurer's trick and gradually faded from view, just as the magicians of Mesopotamia did. End of quote. The title of the article mentioned above is The Purpose of Parthian Galvanic Cells, a 1st Century A.D. Electric Battery Used for Analgesia, and it was published in the Journal of Near Eastern Studies. Chitty continues, 
Even more surprising, perhaps, is the discovery of an object located on a ship that was sunk in the Aegean Sea before the time of Christ. It appeared to be some type of mechanical computing device. Modern computers are of two types, analog and digital. The object discovered on this ship, sunk before Christ's time, was a fairly sophisticated analog computer. It apparently was used for navigation purposes aboard ships and for aiding in making accurate maps. Contrary to much modern teaching, it is now known that navigation as an exact science had already been well developed, even in remote antiquity. One line of evidence pointing to this conclusion is the existence of copies of ancient maps. Some of these maps show features of the Earth's surface that we can only see by using modern instrumentation, end of quote. Photos supplied from the National Science Foundation show a very sophisticated geared mechanism, even displaying differential gears which were not rediscovered until modern times. The book, The Puzzle of Ancient Man, weighs in on the subject of England's stone hedge. It reads, In the British Isles there are many henges, large stones that are set in a circular arrangement with astronomical alignments and astrological usage. They are associated with the Druids and their religious uh, rituals. Perhaps the most famous of these henges is Stonehenge, located on the Salisbury Plain. These stones are not of local origin but were quarried over 75 miles away and then moved into place. Some of the stones are also quite large, weighing in excess of an estimated 100 tons. A stone that large will depress the ground upon which it is placed, yet these stones were accur accurately placed so that they would in exact, be in exact astronomical alignment. In fact, the alignment was so precise that it was not until 1962 by using a modern digital computer at Massachusetts Institute of Technology that we discovered the exactness of the alignment and some of the purposes and uses of Stonehenge. Yet the builders of Stonehenge had somehow already calculated how much the earth would be depressed when a large stone was placed upon it so that the massive stones when put in place would still be perfectly aligned astronomically. It is difficult to believe that the builders of Stonehenge were primitive people when they obviously possess the technical skill required for Stonehenge, it is much more reasonable to believe that they utilize skills already possessed and developed earlier at Babel. End of quote. The following excerpt is from Grant Han Hancock's book, excuse me, Fingerprints of the Gods. In modern Western society, we still make use of a solar calendar which was introduced, introduced in Europe in 1582 and is based on the best scientific knowledge then available of this calendar. Pope Gregory's the thirteenth reform substituted a finer and more accurate calculation, 365.2425 days. Thanks to scientific advances since 1582, we now know that the exact length of the solar calendar is 365.2422 days. Strangely enough, though its origins are wrapped in the mist of antiquity far deeper than the 16th century, the Mayan calendar achieved even greater accuracy. It calculated the solar year at 365.2420 days, a minus error of only 0 .0002 of a day. Ancient civilizations continue to befuddle. For instance, the huge carved stones used in the ancient city of Sacsayhuaman, located near the Inca capital in the present-day city of Cusco, Peru, 
were prepared and hauled several miles across the swamp to their final destination. Dr. Chittick estimates one rock in excess of 100 tons, but that was in miniature compared to one massive stone in the area that is estimated at 20,000 tons or 40 million pounds. How did these primitives do it? Concerning this rock, the following excerpt is from Renee Norbergen's book titled Secrets of the Lost Races, New Discoveries of Advanced Technology in Ancient Civilizations. It reads, What is truly impossible about the block is that it is the size of a five-story house and weighs an estimated 20,000 tons. We have no combination of machinery today that could dislodge such a weight, let alone move it at any distance. The fact that the builders of Saxahoman could and did move this block shows their mastery of technology, which we as yet have not attained. How did they accomplish this feat, when the largest crane in existence today can only lift about 3,000 tons? These ancient civilizations were far from unsophisticated. One of them may even have mastered flight long before the Wright brothers. Huge designs, drawings, and perfectly straight lines of up to five miles in length have been etched in the Nazca Desert south of Lima, Peru. The drawings and markings were the Nazca version of the Zodiac. Chittick continues. The fact that the designs in the Nazca Desert can only be viewed effectively from the air should at least suggest the possibility that the constructors of the Nazca designs may have possessed the capability for flight. And yet modern secular archaeologists who believe man had evolved upward from a more primitive state were forced to deny the obvious. These modern archaeologists could not believe that people back then might have had air travel. Again, Chitty. Newer research has apparently justified that speculation. By examining Nazca artifacts, it has been learned that the Nazca wove a very high-quality black cloth with a very fine weave. It appears that this finely woven black cloth was used for constructing hot air balloons. End of quote. The following excerpt is from Nazca Journey to the Sun by J. Woodman, published by Simon and Schuster. What Contiki un uncovered about man's mastery of the sea, Nazca now reveals about man's conquest of the air. Treading through aviation's unrecorded past and ancient legend, the adventurous team proves that men flew 2,000 years ago, and they actually recreate the flying machines that ascended from Nazca's desert, uh, desert floor excuse me, long ago. On these timeless parched plains, the project culminates in a daring and dazzling experiment that brings us face-to-face -face with prehistoric man of stunning sophistication and intelligence. Serious speculation is that the Nazca could fly and that they used their av aviation skills to launch their dead on their journey to the sun, Chittick concludes. When a person died, the body was placed in a basket attached to the hot air balloon. A fire was built providing hot air to cause the balloon to rise. However, because the covering on the balloon was black cloth, the sun's rays striking the black cloth kept the air inside the balloon warm. In other words, it was a solar-powered hot air balloon. Even in the modern-day sport of hot air ballooning, some balloons are solar-powered. As the balloon and body rose up over the desert, the Nazcas claimed that the body was returned to be with the sun god. Because of the westerly-directed winds, the balloon and body were blown out over the Pacific Ocean. Then at night, when the sun's rays no longer were available, the balloon crashed and the body was buried at sea. 
an actual demonstration of the fact that it is possible for a hot air balloon to fly over the Nazca Desert has now been carried out. A demonstration flight was successfully made using principles and materials known to have been available to the ancient people of Nazca. Results from that demonstration lead its organizers to state Nazca was not an ancient landing field. It was just the opposite. The lines, burn pits, and runways were once takeoff sites for a religion that worshipped the sun. Scientist Thor Heyerdahl, the man who proved that the ancient so-called primitives could easily have navigated intercontinental sea voyages by doing it himself, wonders whether civilizations did indeed peak long, long ago. Common knowledge has been programmed caveman, but history tells another story. God said, Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam, to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. Man said, one of the most current links to our past is the hairy, thick-browed, grunting Neanderthals who lived in caves, etc., clubbing and subduing their women, hunting with clubs and primitive spears, being shocked by the first advent of fire, etc., etc. He fits perfectly into the evolutionary paradigm. Now you have the record.